0: Welcome to the Caffeine Corner Investment Podcast. Hello, this is Wade Sloan, founder of Sedoxia Capital Management, author of How I Manage 20 Billion Dollars by Age 32, and lead editor of the Investing Caffeine blog. Uh, today is a special day for many reasons, but most importantly, it's unique because we are launching our inaugural Caffeine Corner Investment Podcast here from the sunny shores of Newport Beach, California. and to get into a more descriptive, uh, I guess, description of our podcast is that we're designing this to wake up your investing brain by providing a weekly overview of the financial markets. And to flesh it out a little bit more, the main goals of the podcast are to not only summarize what happened with stocks, bonds, interest rates, economics, and politics, but to also branch out in a little more detail on some of uh, other investing-related topics so, for example, this week we're going to talk about uh, the initial public offering market. But regardless of your thoughts, uh, we would love to get your feedback on our podcast. So please message us at info at That's S-I-D as in David, O-X-I-A Or give us a call at 949-258-4322. Uh, So with that, let's go ahead and dive into this week's activities. I'm going to start uh, by talking about the weekly index and sector performance. And it was another week, and it was another week of gains um, in stock prices across all the major stock indices. Uh, The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up 148 points to 26,031. That translates to a 0.6% gain. And this is the eighth consecutive week of gains. So for every week in 2019, uh, the Dow has been up. Uh, The S&P 500 was up for its fourth consecutive week, up 17 points to 2792, also up 0.6%. And the uh, index-heavy NASDAQ index led the way up uh, 55 points to 7527, uh, or up 0.7%. Worth noting, from the December lows that we saw around Christmas, the stock market, um, as measured by the S&P 500, has rebounded um, a uh, whopping 19%, so a very large uh, move. Now, if we switch gears to the bond market, um, the yield on the 10-year Treasury uh, dropped by 11 basis points, or point 11% um, 1.1% to 2.66%. And we saw a very small gain in the um, aggregate bond index. Uh, volatility um, was down sharply as we normally see and experience um, in an upward trending market. So the volatility index was down 9%. Um, as you may know already, Uh, The VIX or the so-called fear gauge um, is down a whopping 47% for the year, uh, which as I have noted before from the lows we've bounced almost 20% and that's consistent with uh, that type of move. Um, Looking at some of the specific sectors, uh, energy was dragged down for the week as seen in the OSX or the Oil Service Index. Um, it lagged 3.4 uh, percent for the week, um, despite oil prices, um, as measured by WTI or West Texas Intermediate, uh, bouncing from the December lows of $42 per barrel to 57. So it's come a long way. The broader um, Vanguard Energy ETF, which is going to include, you know, not only the service companies but the drillers. Um, is uh, was down more modestly at 0.5% for the week. Uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, um, as far as areas that gained significantly, we saw the Sh- uh, Shanghai Index, uh, buoyed by optimism of the U.S.-China trade talks, um, rose 4.5%. So uh, besides the trade optimism, um, there's also hopes that the Chinese government's Fiscal stimulus measures will also help offset the slowing economic data that we've seen in China during recent months. Uh, The last sector that I'll comment on is uh, the utilities. Uh, They had a good week, it was up 2.5%, and this was helped um, not only by uh, the declining interest rates, um, but a little catch up since this uh, stable and defensive sector um, has lagged uh, for the year. So, uh, you know, it still has a, a way to catch up to the, the, the rest of the market. Now, if we um, wanna look at some of the major news items for the week, uh, a lot of the headlines were focused on speculation that Robert Mueller's special counsel uh, report on uh, potential Russian election interference by President Trump, and the administration uh, was supposed to come out this week. Uh, That quickly got the kibosh when the Justice Department subsequently came out and and denied those uh, rumors. Uh, But regardless, uh, there's a good chance that we'll be getting more details about this report in the coming weeks, which um, will likely have some short-term impact, whether positively or negatively, on uh, the stock market. Uh, also, top and center was uh, the the Fed minutes. Um, the Federal Open Market Committee came out and reaffirmed their their dovish stamps uh, stance on their direction of um, interest rates on the federal funds. Uh, which you know they've they re- reiterated their comments earlier that they're going to remain patient and data dependent, and they've also suggested that they're. Uh, balance sheet reduction, um, which is kind of an anti-stimulative um, policy that they're uh, coming close to ending that. So this has all been interpreted um, positively by investors and has been um, a significant um, tailwind by the, the, the balance we've seen. And as I mentioned earlier about the China trade deal, where we're approaching the March 1st deadline. Um, President Trump you know, had threatened to increase the tariff rate from 10% to 25% on $200 billion in goods. Uh, but he's been very vocal about the potential of extending that date um, based on the um, positive progress that they've had. Now, when we look overseas, um, there, there has been some discussion about Brexit um, with the deadline coming at the end of this month in March, or the following month, and um, it really wouldn't surprise me if we saw some downward pressure um, as uh, the uncertainty around the outcome, and whether it's a hard hard exit, and um, a, a lot of brinksmanship that's going on between um, Great Britain and the EU, uh, there's a, a high probability in my mind that um, a lot of these issues aren't going to be fully resolved, and the uncertainty around that um, could pre- put pressure on the short run. You know, Longer term, if, if you think about global GDP, this is um, a relatively small cog in the whole scheme of things, but um, if you're a short-term trader, um, this is, uh, I think we're going to be hearing more about that. Um, the last news item I want to mention uh, on the political front was that Bernie Sanders uh, now 77 years old, uh, he threw his hat into the Democratic um, primary uh, uh, group of candidates for the um, 2020 presidential election, and he's joining Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, and other uh, crowded field um, as we still await the former Vice President Joe Biden um, releasing his plans. All right, Um, I'm not going to talk too much about individual stocks, but I did want to highlight one of our holdings at Sadoxia for our clients, um, which was uh, Zillow Group, um, which was up 26% on Friday, uh, up 19% for the week on stronger earnings results, um, especially tied to its new Zillow offers business. So this is a new area that, not a lot of investors are familiar with, but um, people are familiar with Zillow when they look up their home value online, but now Zillow's entering into the business of buying and selling homes, and uh, they've also added a a mortgage business. Uh, Mortgage Lenders of America was an acquisition they did in 2018, so they can also provide financing for people that are are buying homes. Uh, But Zillow put out some specific metrics and targets over the next three to five years where they plan to purchase uh, upwards of 5,000 homes per month, and on an annualized basis that translates into 20 billion, that's with a B, um, in annual revenues. So the market's digesting uh, that information and pushing it higher. Um, And as I mentioned in full disclosure that we do have positions not only for our client accounts, but in our hedge fund. Um, uh, A name that we don't own that had a very large move was uh, Everspin, ticker MRAM, or M-R-A-M, was up 40% last week. And this was on news that Intel, the um, behemoth semiconductor manufacturer, is gonna use embedded MRAM technology in its 22 nanometer FinFET CMOS technology on 300 millimeter wafers, so that's a mouthful. But uh, suffice it to say, on some of the more leading edge um, semiconductors that Intel's uh, using, that they are, or that they're going to manufacture, they're going to use this new MRAM technology, which is an uh, the area of expertise and focus at Everspin. Um, and uh, so, with that, um, I want to finish by spending a little more time talking about what's going on in the IPO, or initial public offering market. So as I started the podcast off, um, each week I want to expand on some area of investments or investment related, whether it's financial planning, um, individual stocks, or the financial markets in general, uh, just to kind of dive into um, you know one particular area. And so, It's been kind of interesting because it's been a very slow uh, IPO market, and if you think about the stock market, it's really driven by supply and demand, and IPO increases supply of stock, which all else equal um, would put downward pressure on the market. So, One of the tailwinds in the stock market over the last 10 years, if you look at the decline um, thousands of uh, companies um, you know, coming out of the stock exchanges, whether they merged or go out of business. Um, there's been a lot of consolidation and a lack of new companies entering the market. That has been a tailwind behind the market. Uh, but now, this week, we heard from the number two ride-hailing company, Lyft. Um, they reportedly are planning their IPO in March, uh, on their last valuation, they were uh, valued at 15 billion, and expectations from some pundits in the industry are um, pegging the Lyft valuation at 20 to 25 billion. Uh, so that is some new supply that's coming. Um, Pinterest, which is another popular online image internet search platform, they have also confidentially filed for an IPO. Um, and their valuations planned at $12 billion. So th- these are just some of the higher profile names. Um, Renaissance Capital, they came out with uh, what they're viewing as a lot of supply coming in the market in 2019, um, estimating Uber um, to go public, uh, valued at $76 billion, uh, GE Healthcare at $65 billion we work 47 billion palantir 41 billion airbnb 31 billion so just to put all of this in context the ipo pipeline this year there are 226 planned ipos with a 697 billion total valuation so that's a lot of supply and you know quite candidly would make me or A lot of other investors nervous. But uh, what a lot of people don't appreciate, which has also been aiding uh, the tailwind, besides the lack of supply, has been the demand in stock purchases. And it's not just from outside investors, but from companies themselves. Uh, So the data, as we see over the last trailing 12 months, has been... um, Upwards of 800 billion dollars in annualized share buybacks by corporations. So as we sit with these record corporate profits, um, aided by the 2018 tax cuts, um, a lot of this cash is piling up so fast. You know, Apple gets a lot of um, attention for their share buybacks, but um, there's um, hundreds and hundreds of other billions of dollars that are are of stock that is being uh, purchased and taken out of the market. Uh, And if you look at another tailwind, it's been mergers and acquisitions. So for 2018, uh, the uh, estimated value of um, merger and acquisition deals, or M&A deals, was 1.5 trillion. so that is more and more supply coming out of the market as uh, these, these shares are being purchased. So the, the whole point of uh, this IPO discussion is is that we're going to be hearing a lot about these high profile private companies, these unicorns going public and adding supply, um, which you know could put some uh, short- term pressure, but, Um, In order to properly put it in context, you you really need to understand that uh, there's countervailing factors um, to this new supply. And we want to keep track of uh, what's happening in the share buybacks and uh, merger and acquisition activity. All right, so I want to finish by uh, thanking you for listening to our inaugural Caffeine Corner podcast launch. And uh, if you have any feedback, please uh, message us at info at or call us at 949-258-4322. Thank you very much and talk to you next week.